1: The 331st edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now.
0: This is the Four Corners Podcast.
1: I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that, to be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina.
0: We win 54 to 53, North Carolina did it, North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, Go. The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship. Weber, front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. they out foul. of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. Front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89 72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champion.
1: I've been the luckiest coach in the world.
0: Pump fake for three, too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national dadgum champion. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina.
1: I mean, I love this school. I love these fans. And I love everything about it. And I would I would die for this
0: school. I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnata.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys once again today. Here to get you ready for Carolina and Miami. Eels back on the road this weekend. Uh, they'll take on the Hurricanes on Saturday at 4 p.m. You can find that game over on the mothership. It'll be on ESPN before they go to their game day site. Uh, Lawrence were for Kansas and Baylor. We'll tell you everything you need to know about the Hurricanes. Look at this game from the Carolina perspective. Talk about how much pressure there is on Carolina to bounce back after the disappointing result earlier in the week to Clemson, give our keys to the game, and so much more. But we start every edition of the pod, as we always do, with the pod thought of the day, and with it being the day after um, the anniversary of Coach Smith's passing, uh, we do go to a quote from Coach Smith that I think directly applies to this group. And that quote is, A lion never roars after a kill. And there's no denying that the way that Carolina beat Duke over the weekend, they roared on Sunday and on Monday, but not into Tuesday as they got beaten by the Clemson Tigers at home And what was the the most disappointing result this season. And one of the more disappointing results we've seen uh, so far under Huber Davis. And I think it was a great learning experience. Um, and a humbling moment for this team and this group that, yes, you are really, really good. And you've got a chance to do some really great and special things. But you got to play to a certain standard every time you walk out on the court. They didn't do that the other night, and they took a pretty humbling loss on their home court. The problem is, is it doesn't get any easier. And you're in a stretch of games where these games mean even more to the opponent than they do to you. And up next is Miami, a team that started the season preseason, I think inside the top 10. They were definitely inside the top 15, uh, picked to finish, I believe, second or third in the ACC um, back in the preseason. Coming off that Final Four appearance, the vibes were high in and around Jim Laranega's squad. Instead, they find themselves 15-8, and eight, just 6-6 six and six, uh, in-league play, and nowhere near – an NCAA tournament position. You look at the 6018 bracket, you're not going to see Miami. You look at the first four, you're not going to see Miami. You look at the next four, you're not going to see Miami. That can change with a win over Carolina. They are 11 and 2 at home, but this is a team that lost at home to Louisville. So like Carolina, they have a pretty uh,
0: egregious home loss on their resume. Well, um, let's come on. Let's not even Think about comparing Clemson's loss. That was pretty that egregious from to Louisville.
1: It was pretty egregious when you look at everything. Clemson's only won in your building one time. Um that was
0: Louisville's first conference win under Kenny Payne. It so, was. I mean that's, was, that,
1: and look egregious. That's a bad
0: loss. Egregious, that's a horrendous
1: loss. Egregious to Miami doesn't mean it's as it doesn't equal egregious to Carolina. But Carolina's loss the other night was pretty bad. And we're and we're not we're not oh, gonna, no doubt. not gonna lose sight of that. They do have four players averaging double figure scoring, led by Norchad O'Meara, seventeen point six points, nine point eight rebounds. He's shooting sixty-three percent from the field, and he is a thirty-seven percent three point shooter. Don't know how often he's gonna let it fly from deep in this game, but that number would suggest that he is capable of hitting that shot. Matthew Cleveland second on the team in scoring. 14.2 points, 6.2 rebounds, 1.8 assists, shooting 52% from the field, 38% from three. Nigel Pack, 14 points per game, 2.7 rebounds, 3.7 assists, shooting 41% from the field, 37% from three. And then maybe the guy with the best name in the conference, Wuga Poplar, 13.9 points, 4.9 rebounds, 2.9 or 2.2 assists, shooting 45% from the field, Forty-four percent from three. Um, as a team, they shoot thirty-seven percent from behind the three-point line. And as the morning of recording Thursday, Miami is 69th in the net. So they've got some work to Rather do nice. if they want to become an NCAA tournament team. And uh, quite frankly, where they are is one of the bigger surprises I think in the ACC this season. Definitely. Um. You. You. Rec- I mean. You. You return. Not your entire core from last year's Final Four team run. You lose Jordan Miller, you lose Isaiah Long, who was the ACC Player of the Year. But Omir was a part of that. Pack was a part of that. Um, they played a big role in that run
0: to the Final L- Four. Luga Poplar played really good in the tournament, so you know him. it
1: was it was easy to see why they were a preseason top ten team, why they were a team that was thought of to to maybe compete to win an ACC regular season championship. And now they they, they find themselves not even on the bubble for the NCAA tournament and need a win, like a win over number 3 North Carolina, to salvage what is becoming a lost season for Jim Larenaga.
0: Well, they still got two opportunities because they still got to play Carolina in Chapel Hill as well later on. So for them, they're looking at it as, hey, this is a team that could be a little bit vulnerable coming off of a loss where they apparently weren't prepared. And in their mind, they probably feel like, hey, this is at home, this is a chance for us to get one and then all we have to do is find a way to make it ugly um, when we go back to Chapel Hill and if we could seal that one, then we could probably make the tournament and see, this is the team. D- they're starting to get to a point where they're they're feeling a little like Jim Bayheim's Syracuse teams, right? where they really start to ramp it up February into March, and then you know if they make the tournament, they're going to make a run. That's the kind of feel that I get from them. So if you're Carolina, you have to take this game seriously. And, I mean, look, I think they will because I think after the other night, after being called out by one of your teammates in the presser, I, I think you've got no choice but to respond. But yeah, this is a team this this is a team that is capable. It feels like they are a team that could turn it on pretty quickly. And all of a sudden you look up and you say, Oh, this team, this team's good enough to be in the NCAA tournament. The thing about them that's really interesting for this Carolina team is how is Carolina gonna defend the fact that they are basically four guards around a six seven big man? Now, the 6'7 big man, he does not play like he's 6'7. He is one of the best rebounders in this conference. So, that matchup, again, Armando Baycott, and look, last two games, you can't criticize Armando Baycott. I mean, I know there were times where he didn't box out well late in the game against Clemson, but for the most part, he was the best player on the floor for Carolina the entire night, the other night. So, I mean, I think it's going to be on everybody else. How do these guys handle guarding an extremely athletic team like this? Because, I mean, I know the three-point defense has been good for Carolina this year, but we've seen it as, as this season has gone along, and especially in the last three or four games, teams have gotten some pretty good looks against Carolina from the outside they and you saw the other night uh, Clemson ends up knocking him down that ultimately was one of the differences in the game this is a team that is so guard based that you know you have to take away that three point line and if you don't this can end up being a loss that you know you, you look back on and you know if, if if this season really does start to fall apart then this would be the stretch that you could look at because yeah, it's this game in Syracuse. It's it's not getting easier. You're you're seeing desperate teams.
1: Yeah, I, I mean this is kind of like what you saw earlier in the week in the loss to Clemson. The, the, this game wouldn't maybe be the reason why you lose the ACC regular season, but the, the, to me, this is a swing game for Carolina. You 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 go down, you get a win, you you stop the bleeding, if you will. You get some confidence back in yourself. You defend at a high level. You just look at the the, the two losses in three games as just you know a speed bump, as mm-hmm. a bump in the road, which virtually every team in the country has had, outside of UConn. Um, but if you lose but
0: last year UConn had those buns, which is the team I've sort of compared this team to. If they're going to tur- if, if they're ultimately going to be a title team.
1: Well, and last year the Big East better than the ACC. Um, this year the Big East better than the ACC. UConn not having those same issues. You lose this game. Now it's three out of four, mm-hmm. and we'll be coming on here talking about the panic meter, and, and really talking about a once promising season going sideways. And the comparisons to Matt Doherty's first team in Chapel Hill will be out in full force. So um you know, I think the good news is is you got a group that has fought all season long. This is the first real adversity this team has faced. And we're gonna see how they respond and we're gonna find out exactly what they're made of. Carolina is 18-5 and five on the season. Uh, they are 10-2 um, in league play. They're still ranked third in the AP poll. Uh, depending on this result, we'll probably determine how, if and how far they fall out of the AP top five. Eighth in Ken Palm, but their net has dropped down to tenth. So a steady decline in the net ranking over the last two weeks or so. The heels are five and one though um, on the road with that with that lone road loss coming at Georgia Tech. Carolina does have four players, averaging double figure scoring. Led by R.J. Davis and his 21.3 points per game, 3.7 rebounds, 3.5 assists, shooting 44% from the field, 41% from three. Armando Baycott, second on the team in scoring, 14.3 points and 10 rebounds. He's now back to shooting 55% from the field. Harrison Ingram, 12.5 points, 8.9 rebounds, 2.3 assists, shooting 44% from the field. Uh At 42% from three. And then Cormac Ryan, the last guy to average double-figure scoring, 10.4 points, 3.2 rebounds, 1.4 assists, but he's shooting just 36% from the field and 29% from three. Carolina is averaging making 18.4 free throws per game, the ninth most in the country, and they're attempting 24.5 free throws per game, the 14th most in the country. So Carolina was... Inside the top ten in both of those categories, Um, now they're outside the top ten in one. And Carolina averages 41.3 rebounds per game. That's the ninth best mark in all of college basketball. It is important to note that uh, as of recording, we don't know if Seth Trimble will be available to play in this game. Um, It looks like Hubert Davis will not meet with the media until Friday before they travel to Miami. That, that's when you would expect to get the first update of any
0: um, for Seth Trimble. And- which, let's be honest, probably will be relatively vague. They'll probably leave it open. I'd be shocked if you find out he's out of the lineup. Which that, that would be the only... like He's not going to tell you that he's in. They're probably going to have to go through pregame warm-ups. The only way that he would tell you anything concrete is if he was out. Um, well, I mean, it all depends. So I on think it's game. I, I think it'll probably be game time
1: decision. If, if anyways, if, if he's practiced, there's a very good chance he's playing. If he hasn't practiced, you would imagine that he wouldn't play because I don't know if Seth Trimble is the type of player that can go all week without practicing and still show up and play at a high level. And with that in mind, it just adds pressure to Carolina starters to maybe pick up and and be ready to play extra minutes. But more importantly, it just adds adds more pressure to that bench to produce more than what they gave you the other night in the loss to Clemson. We've set the scene for Carolina and Miami. But coming up next, we'll talk about how much pressure there is on this team to respond before we give our keys to the game and pick the game. But first, here's a word from one of our partners. Hey there, Josh here for the Autograph Fandom app. Want to get rewarded for listening to our show? The team at Autograph, co-founded by Tom Brady, is redefining the fan experience by letting users earn points for the acts of fandom they take every day, like listening to this show. The Autograph Fandom app gives you access to your favorite UNC content in one place and offers rewards like tickets, exclusive merchandise, and much more. You're already listening to our show, but now you can earn points and get rewarded for it. Head over to the Apple App Store and search for Autograph Fandom Rewarded and download it today for free using the referral code HealTuff. Link and code are also in our podcast description. Really hope you guys take full advantage of the Autograph uh, fandom reward app. Um, you know, the, I mean, literally get rewarded for being a fan. It's a pretty neat and cool thing that they got going on over there, and we're happy and proud to be a part of it. Let's get back into the preview for the Miami game. Um, and look, when you when you play at the University of North Carolina, there's, there's always pressure, and there's immense pressure to win, Went often and went at the highest level. And this team, I think, has done that. You don't get to 18 and 5 or 10 and 2 in your league and a number three ranking by not beating good teams or not being a good team. Um, But as I mentioned, this this is the first real adversity this group has faced, even more so when they lost back to back games to UConn and Kentucky because we knew the caliber that those teams were. Um, And at the time, they were a cut above where Carolina was. I think if Carolina played Kentucky today, I think Carolina would beat Kentucky. And I think if Carolina were to play UConn today, they would be more competitive than they were in the first matchup. But you've lost two of three. You have seen your once healthy lead in the ACC regular season Basically evaporate. It's now just down to a game lead over the red-hot Virginia Cavaliers. How much pressure exists on this team to respond after the loss on Tuesday to Clemson? Oh, it's a pretty good amount.
0: Um, because yeah, you're starting to wonder: is is this a team that can handle these types of moments? Because uh, I, I mean, look, I, I think they had the first part of conference play when they were playing their best. There were a lot of teams that we probably thought to ourselves you don't expect them to make the tournament. Um there were a lot of games that, you know, Carolina, I mean the toughest games that Carolina played, a lot of them came at home in the Smith Center. So I think, you know, after these last two games where, you know, you you looked just out of it at times against Georgia Tech, couldn't slow down a team that I mean you know, outside of the games against Duke, Clemson, and you, they have just been downright horrendous. Um, and then to lose to Clemson the other night, when you knew that that was a team that was desperate, that was coming in ready to fight, and you go through all the stuff that that you have going on off the court, this is... A situation where you need to see some response from Carolina. I think more than anything, and it's the reason that we spent so much time on it when we were recapping the Clemson game, you need to prove that this is a team that still has the right mindset, still has chemistry, because a a situation like what happened Monday and Tuesday, that's, that's what can divide a team. I mean, you've got guys that are, you know, some but guys not showing up for for shoot uh, shoot around and and or or showing up for pregame warmups, um, you know, shoot around wasn't great, practice not great, um, potentially that's where the injury for Seth Trimble got picked up. This is one of those one of those defining moments for this team. So there is a lot of pressure on Carolina to respond in this game. Um, if they lose, does it mean that it's the end of the world for this team? No, not yet, but it would certainly bring us to the point, as you said, where we have to come on here, we have to ask how panicked you are, and all of a sudden those thoughts of is this team you know back to sort of where they were last year in terms of the mindset and the togetherness, that then those those thoughts start to come to mind.
1: I mean, I think a lot of it... And we talked about it with, with the Clemson loss. It's how does it look if you compete and you just get beaten? You just tip your hat to the the other opponent and 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 we move on. But if this is another game where you're going through the motions, you're not ready to play, you get hit with a fifteen two run out of the gate, something like that, and there, there, you don't get the then you hear some messaging coming out of the locker room that's concerning. Then you have to sound the alarm and. I really want to not have to come on here and question everything that this team had built the first two and a half months of the year, but uh, you know, when when if you lose three and four, then that just that just becomes the reality of the situation. You start to wonder: were you just a front runner? Were you just beating up on on mediocre to bad teams? Did you peak in January? There like it is. All those yep. conversations you have to bring back to the fold because they would probably see more. Legitimate than 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 they did when we had those conversations at the time. So there's no denying. Um, We're gonna find out what this team is is made of on Saturday. Um, If they respond, then you probably look at it and say this was a team that learned from their mistake and they grew from it and they're better for it. Mm -hmm. If not, you look at it and just say, "Yep, this is a group that played at an extremely high level in January, which was fun." But this is the time of year you really want to start rounding into form, and you want to start, you know, right now starting to start to play your best basketball of the season. And so there is there is a lot of pressure um, because you you don't want to be in the situation where you had a two and a half three game lead with ten to play, and you see it all go away, and you don't win an ACC regular season title. Um, You know your your NCAA tournament seed is really starting to become into focus as we get, you know, a little bit over a month away from getting the bracket. And so all those things are are at stake here. Um, and you would like to think with you know the being the fifth oldest team in the country that you're built you're built to bounce back. Um, and we're going to find out on Saturday just what this team is made of. The first key that Carolina has to address when they try to win this game is is limit the impact Norchad O'Meara has, and that's going to be a problem um, because he's as quality a big man that uh, Carolina has seen so far this season, averaging over seventeen points per game, right, right at nearly ten rebounds per game. He's basically a walking double double. Um, you know, you can look at the height chart and, and wonder how a guy that's six seven puts up what he puts up, but um, I've seen the guy in person. I saw him at ACC Media Days. He's a tree trunk. He's a load. Mm. He's gonna be a problem for Armando Baycott. He's gonna pose a challenge for Armando Baycott. But here's the thing: Baycott's played really two bigs the last two games. Kyle Filipowski of Duke, PJ Hall of Clemson. I'd argue that Baycott outplayed both of them, despite only winning one of those games. That one being the Duke game. And so you you like to you 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 trust that Armando offensively is gonna be able to get what he wants and, and be and continue that production. But you've got to you've got to make Miami settle and play through their guards and not feed him. Basically you got to do to them what Georgia Tech did to you and what Clemson did to you at Tretches the other night. Make you forget that 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 they have a dominant big. Um because if they play through him, their offense becomes much more efficient. Their shooters get better looks, and they can shoot it as well as anybody in the country. And so this needs to be a game that Armando Baycott and Jalen Washington, when he's on the floor, they put forth their they they, they put forth their best effort because if not, North Shadow Mir is a guy that can single handedly take a game over on both ends of the court.
0: Yeah, look, he's he's coming off a game where he didn't score the ball the way that he wanted to against Virginia. Although to be fair, did anybody score the way the ball the way nope. they wanted to against Virginia in that game? They had 38 points. At the end of the night Jim Laranega At one point Literally sat down On the bench And started looking At his computer Instead of being In the huddle And coaching his team He was looking he For was retirement homes in I the mean area. seriously What a moment that was But So for him He probably feels Motivated to bounce back And respond with a really strong offensive night. I mean, look, guys, this is a this is a dude that scored 33 in a conference game earlier this year. Now, granted, it was against Notre Dame. Notre Dame is not exactly... I mean, they're a step from Louisville at this point. But at the same time, like, this is a guy that has really taken his game to another level this year, scoring-wise. So, yeah, I mean, he's a guy that's going to probably demand the ball in the post. I'm almost not even as concerned about them playing through him as I am about him getting offensive rebounds and creating second chance I mean that that's that's been one of his strengths throughout the year uh it's it's you know I mean you look at his rebounding numbers I mean it's about a third of his rebounds are offensive rebounds. So the dude is, I mean, that's an area where he shines. You're coming off a game. I mean, you said Armando outplayed P.J. Hall. I, I mean, I, I thought it was pretty close. P.J. Hall made a lot of really important plays late for them as well. Um, That may, you know, make me give him a little bit of an edge in that one if you had to make me grade those two out. This is a moment where Armando Baycock can step up and say, this really is my league. This this league does run through me, like I said, after the game against Duke. Um, I, to me, I, I don't really question that Armando's going to play well because we've seen it the last two games. It really feels like that talk that Huber Davis had with him sort of made him realize, look, I don't have to get out of the way. This isn't, oh, I need to make, you know, I, I need to do whatever I need to do to make sure this is RJ's team he realized I need to step up and be playing at an elite level because they're going to need me to play at that elite level to win some of these games this is another one of those games where you have to do that and I think in this one Omir has the ability to shoot the shot from the outside. He's only shot at 35 times this year from out there, so he's not nearly the threat that P.J. Hall was from the outside. That should allow Armando Baycott to have a better defensive performance in this one because the other night you saw that he struggled having to guard out on the perimeter against P.J. Hall where this one should be more his speed inside, sort of banging with O'Meara.
1: The second key is Carolina has to defend the perimeter. Like, you look at the mm-hmm. percentage that Clemson shot the other night, and you'll live with a team shooting 35%. They made 11 three pointers, though. And a lot like Clemson, you'll see some four round one, you'll see some five out sets and five out action. From this Miami team. Um, The other night, for whatever reason, Carolina opted to go under ball screens as opposed to fighting over them. Um, They didn't really pinch them as much. They never blitzed them, any of those types of things, and they got burned by it. Um, And, you know, if if you you look at what happened against Georgia Tech, they shot 45%. You look at the win against Duke, Duke shot 26% from three. And so you know, and I still think this is a quality defensive team in terms of guarding that the you know the 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 three point line. It's just been inconsistent as of late, and it's why the results have been inconsistent, and it's why they even in their wins, like some of the wins were maybe closer than what they should have been because it didn't depend on the three point line. You go back to the Florida State game; you didn't defend the three point line as well as you wanted to, and so this is where. If Seth Trimble is able to go and play, you're more comfortable, you're more confident in being better in that area. Um, but this is an area where you can look at your backcourt and say they've got to do a much better job, um, whether it's communicating if they're going to switch, fighting over screens, mm-hmm. and then, of course, closing out. But this is a team, and we've seen it firsthand. Like when Miami gets, gets hot from three, they can shoot you out of the gym they shoot 37% from 3 as a team they've got quality shooters up and down their starting lineup like clemson like duke they're going to pose another challenge to carolina uh to defend the perimeter as well as they have all season long
0: i mean again they fit right into that category they're they're right in that same range of some of these really good three point shooting teams that we've seen carolina face here recently they are 38th in the country. They're shooting 37% from beyond the arc. So it's right in that same area. And, yeah, there are dangerous guys on this team. Um, And it's really that trio in the backcourt of Pack, Poplar, and Bensley Joseph. Th- those are guys that can knock down shots from the outside and cause you trouble. And, yeah, the thing is, is look, as great as Cormac Ryan was in the game against Duke on Tyrese Proctor – he struggled, I mean, mightily the other night defending the the, the, uh, the perimeter against Joe Girard. So this needs to be a bounce back game from him because as of right now, my assumption going into the game is that Seth Trimble will not play. And that is the mindset that this team needs to take. Somebody else has to step up. I like the activity that we saw from Pax and Wojcik, but it's clear that he is not The same defender that Seth Trimble is. No one on this team is. But yeah, it's going to be, it's going to need to be a concerted effort. This is a team that if you're going to switch everything, then you better close out hard on those three point shots. But you also got to make sure that you're not fouling guys like we've seen at times this year. Um, from outside, it's just that has to. To me, that's almost more important than defending Omir inside. Omir is one of those guys where if he has a, a successful night against you, that's fine. When this team has gotten beat this year, a, a large part of it has been you have a team that does a really good job of shooting well from the outside and a team that does a good job of crashing the offensive glass. So to me, I mean, taking away that three-point line is going to be huge. And after the other night. I think it's a question mark going in.
1: The last key is is, is gonna maybe be the difference in the ball game and that you got to get them in foul trouble, and that's gonna be a difficult thing to do. Teams only average shooting nine or making nine free throws against Miami, the fourth fewest mark in the country, and teams only attempt twelve point eight free throws against Miami, also the fourth fewest mark in the country. Uh teams have made just two hundred and ten free throws against Miami. The seventh fewest mark in the country, and teams have only attempted 294 free throws. Again, the seventh fewest in the country. We we went over how much Carolina likes to get to the foul line. They shoot the ninth most free throws, uh, or they make the ninth most. They make the ninth most free throws per game, and shoot the 14th most. And they need to be the aggressor. They need to be in attack mode. They need to. They need to force the issue. Um, it starts with trying to get North Carolina in foul trouble. Um, that you do that by establishing Armando, Armando Baycott's presence on the low block. Then you look at your guards and just look at look. You're not shooting the ball well. The best way to get in a rhythm is to go to the foul line and see the ball go in the basket. You've got to attack. And, and you know, I look at this from Carolina's perspective, and this is a mindset thing. And the mindset's got to be, we're going to play downhill, Mm -hmm. and we're going to see truly how good they can defend. The numbers would suggest that they do a a great job defending without fouling, but how many teams have forced the issue against them? Um, And so this needs to be a game where... R.J. Davis and Cormac Ryan need to make a, a concerted effort. Same thing with Elliott Cadeau. Put the ball on the floor, drive right at them, and see what this defense is made of. If Carolina goes into this game and shoots 10 to 12 free throws, I find it hard to see a way they come out of this game with a win.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, look, it's got to be – it, that mindset is something that should have been there all year because I've said it a ton of times. When this team is at their best – It is when they are getting downhill This is not a great shooting team I know that we were hoping this team Would be better from what we saw last year They really are not They're they're just not We've we've gotten to that point where Cormac Ryan at this point if If he does eventually Break out And starts knocking down those shots At the rate that he was at Notre Dame Great As of right now I'm assuming that's not happening um, Harrison Ingram is a guy that started to get you know a little bit hotter here these last couple of games. But, I mean, that's not a guy that should be taking 12 threes a game. And, you know, even, I mean, RJ took 12 threes in the last game. He's at his best when he's getting downhill to the basket. And I, I think that's got to be the mindset for him. Ryan, like I said it when we were recapping the game against Clemson, put the ball on the floor and get to the basket, man. There was a time earlier in the year where you were the guy constantly getting to the line the most out of anybody on this team because you were taking that aggressive approach. If you do that in this game, make these guys guard you. This is this the, the these guards are not known for their defensive prowess. This is a Miami is a team that has been offensively built for a while now. That's how they win games. They outscore teams. They're not horrible defensively, but they certainly aren't as good of a team defensively as, let's say, Virginia, yourself, even some of the other teams you've faced in the ACC. So if you can get to the basket, which I think Carolina is capable of doing, then I think it's going to allow you to be more successful. So, I mean, to me, that, that's that got to be the mindset, and it's got to be from the word go. Do not come out and try to see, well, are, are we, are, are we going to be able to shoot the three ball? Let's find that out when it's actually open. Let's not force the issue because I'll tell you this. I thought against Duke it was good. The two losses, their shot selection has been horrendous. I mean, we are talking looking very similar to what we've seen the last few years in terms of just infuriating shots that are unnecessary. This is a game where you have to be smart about the shots you take. You have to do it early on because, yes, this is another game where Miami's going to be motivated to prove something. If you're not careful, if you come out of the gate and take some rough shots to start off, I'm not I'm not saying it'll be 15-2, but... They could deal you a blow early on, and then you're playing from behind again, which is not what this team needs.
1: Carolina enters with a 62.4% chance to win the game, according to ESPN's analytics. Who wins the game
0: and why? I'm Look, I think some of the concerns carried over from the game against Clemson into this podcast. With that being said, I'm going to choose to trust this team. I'm going to choose to trust that this is a different team than the ones that we've seen the last few years because we've been saying that all year. And to me, a three-game stretch should not change that thought. I think this is a veteran team that will be motivated. I think the other night probably got some guys to open their eyes. And I think this will, this will be the point where if you look back on the season – and it's a national title season, even if this team just gets to the final four. This will be one of those moments that we will remember. Following a bad loss against Clemson, how this team responded. I think Armando will bring it again. I think he's in a rhythm. I think he has a good night against, uh, or good afternoon against Omir. I think R.J. Davis uh, will have one of his better games here recently. I mean, yeah, he put up 22 points the other day, but he was just 7-22 from the field. I think you'll see him respond with a nice performance, Um, and I think defensively this team will respond because I think that they, uh, you know, look, Clemson made shots the other night. There's no doubt about that. you got to give them credit for that, but I feel like in their minds they don't feel like they competed the way that they needed to defensively, so I think you'll see a really good defensive effort. I like Carolina to win this one. Don't think it'll be that significant of a margin because I think, Miami is desperate, and they'll fight, but I think Carolina will win it in the end, probably somewhere in the five- to seven-point range.
1: I think Carolina wins because I don't think Armando Baycott, R.J. Davis, came back to see what they built through the the beginning of February go away and and, and, and pretty much go to waste. Um, and if, if you lose this game, that very much is on the table where – you don't win a you don't win a regular season title. Um, you're not a top two seed in the NCAA tournament, um, making your pathway harder to get back to the final four. So I think you see big games, almost legend, you know, legacy type of games from Baycott and Davis with the season, you know, uh, with the team at a point where they need to respond. Um, and I think Carolina responds in a big in a big way, and they deal Miami a loss that will probably, for all intents and purposes, in, in, in their hopes of making the NCAA tournament. No matter what happens, we'll have you covered heeltoughblog.com, where a, a, a preview of the game will be posted um, on Friday night into Saturday morning, and I'll be back with you that evening recapping all the action down from Coral Gables as I continue to take you through the basketball season. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform. Simply search the Four Corners Podcast and we will pop up. Or there we do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. Do you want to thank Anthony for hosting with me? We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels!
0: Guys, it just doesn't know the
1: map